When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So let's um, get started. I don't want to get started yet. Do you know, I always get a little bit like nervous whenever we start and I swear I've started so many episodes with by saying this yeah everyone's over it now I've actually had emails of people telling me that sick of you saying it no you have yes I have no, I have haven't. they're over you do you know what today's it's, quite been quite a great day hasn't it it's been all right the sun's been out no it's been beautiful oh, I need to say it in David Attenborough's voice go on um hello <laughs> <laughs> go on go on go on as the northern winds turn the British summer into an ice-cold winter, the gays prepare for Halloween. <laughs> Girl, I am preparing the... What outfit are you going to wear this year for Halloween? I, I really want to go as Joanne the Scammer. I think she is a um, person of colour icon. <laughs> like, she lives her best Caucasian life. That's very true. Where I, and like, you know, just does that, oh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm Caucasian, I'm amazing, and I aspire to that, so. I yeah. want to go, be quiet, okay. before you say anything, because I know yeah. you want me to go, Huz. Sexy I, kitten. He wants me to go as a sexy kitten. <laughs> I have no idea why he wants me to go as a sexy kitten. First of all, I I'm, I don't look like a okay, feline. Okay, no, no, okay. no, I don't look like a feline. No, 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 no. Put your claws away. I don't look like a feline. Picture I want to though. go as like a slutty little, like, Cute thing, yeah. It's that, a kid. No, it's a cute okay, thing. Picture like this, thing. right? Picture this: you, fishnets, heels, skirt. It's your fantasy. Corset, bunny ears, <laughs> and like little whiskers and your nose painted. I think it'll look cute. I look like Ariana Grande. And you're gonna be like, oh, so, I'm a you scary know. kitten girl. No, no. Anyway, welcome, welcome back. Yeah. Oh, welcome to. <laughs> been a few you weeks. You don't love, love me. me. I have been feeling that about you recently. What that? That you don't love me. That you don't love me. You don't. Love welcome me. to the You Don't Love Me podcast. podcast. Do you know what? Every week or every time we do this, I'm like, I'm Mariahing in that. I'm, I'm the worst singer in the world, but I'm like Mariah. I am channeling my inner like classic Indian singer. I'm like, I've got the sitar out, the drums, and everything. Clearly. And I'm like, Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome. And we've had a, a break for a few weeks. What have we been up to? Yeah. Yeah, well, I wanted to question you on this. Oh, go on. Mate, why are you so brown, mate? Because we've been on holiday, holiday, holiday. Yeah, you tan. Yeah, no, I was living my best. I went to Portugal. Girl, the tan does you good. Ah, oh, tan does a body good all the time. Apart from I've no, your peeling, skin. Peeling on my arm. Yeah, we'll ignore that, but apart from that... The glow. glow. 
Yeah, time does do really well. Yeah, so hello everyone, welcome. Apologies, uh, we weren't here for a couple of weeks, I think we haven't recorded yeah. an episode. Uh, but that's because we needed to give you guys breathing space. Away from us. And <laughs> I needed to take time to assess how far I've gone. So, we are back. And uh, yeah, tanned, browner. And uh, back from the summer holidays, ready to slay for uh, Christmas. Because what are we doing for Christmas? We're going back to New York. Start spreading the news. Girl. I'm leaving on the 21st of December. (laughs) So going back. Because we went last year and this year we were like, oh, where do we go for Christmas this year? Yeah. And oh my God, you're getting a weird song or something ready. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. I want to do a song of the week. I've decided. Do you know when... um, we do the You Don't Love Me podcast. Yeah. I do some voice exercises. Yeah, go on. And they're very similar to what Celine Dion does. Would you like to know what Celine Dion... Oh my Dion... God, please. Would you like to hear vo- Celine Dion's vocal warm-ups? Go on. Of course you do. <laughs> very boring. Very boring. I'm glad you know what, I do that it. when I wake up and I'm ready to hit the stage. That's what I do. I mean, why do you sound like this? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've been really busy. Went on holiday. Went to Manchester Pride. We got our live. We did a whole de-drag, didn't we? Oh my God, that was epic. That was a highlight of Manchester Pride for you. <laughs> de-dragging. Because we didn't sleep off. for like 26 hours because we went to Manchester Pride, partied all there, did all the concert and then we drove to Glasgow, found a place to get changed, have a shower, de-drag. And then got on a flight and went to Portugal. Found a place. Like, you make it sound like <laughs> as if it was behind a bush. <laughs> well, my we were, It was a service station. I know. It was a really nice one. Yeah, it was really nice. And I felt like as if I was in Oranges and New Black. <laughs> because the showers were like, you know, stripped to the bare minimum. And there was a two-minute curfew. <laughs> like, 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 you know what prison's like. Oh, I don't know. You wish. Um, but, 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 it was a lot of fun. Absolutely loved Manchester Pride. Mm. Apart from the one-way system that they had, where, like, you could only walk one way. Mm. And we saw a celebrity. We saw the guy from Hollyoaks. Yeah. The guy that shall not be named. I, I watch Hollyoaks because... He was a bit rude, I felt. Well, I was poking fingers in his face Why? because I'm weird around famous people. And then he wasn't responding. I mean, okay, I wasn't pointing. But I saw him afterwards. Okay, I, wasn't, I was not poking fa- fingers in his face, but I was like, oh my God, it's him. Like, blatantly obvious. I thought you could leave this look and be like, hey, like, if you're like a celebrity, especially around Manchester, and you get recorded there, and you're going to go to Manchester Pride, you're going to get spotted. Yeah. Like, everyone's going to know who you are. The gays know. The gays always know, I always say. The gays always and know. And so, you know, a hi wouldn't go amiss. It's not rude. I mean, just be nice. But yeah, yeah we're going to talk about something important, aren't we, today? Are we? Well, I think so. Okay. Well, we went on a really long walk. We go on a lot of walks all the time. We do. And we had a really deep discussion about gender and gender identity, didn't we? Ooh, that is a good topic. And Should we talk about that? Yeah, like, I want to ask you how, how that conversation came about. Why why did we start talking about it? I can't remember. Oh, God, your memory is terrible. Why? why? Well, well, the thing is, right, within, like, obviously we're South Asian, and within the South Asian culture, that is often something that is brought up so many times mm-hmm. growing up. With me, especially, because I'm, you know, gorgeous, biological female here. (laughs) Psychological. Psychological. And, you know, 
uh, I have certain mannerisms and I use my hands and I'm expressive with my eyes because why not? Use... You're pretty. Well, I have to use all parts of my body to, you know, get the menses. So I'm like, ah. <laughs> anyway, so that, um, funnily enough, did not go down too well with my, you know, straight orthodox Muslim parents. Yeah, how did they used to react to your um, your mannerisms and your, you know, being out there, I guess? Not very well. That's so, so that's why, I think that's why we thought, why not talk about um, what it means to be a man? Yeah. And gender identity. Oh, yeah. Why is it so important or why is it not so important at times? Mm. And what is it that makes a man? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, they didn't used to react very well. My mum used to police me all the time. Yeah. Put your hand down. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You know. Like crossing your legs. Yeah. Why? I remember once when we were um, looking into getting into secondary schools and I got into the school called Nabwood. And at I the time, it. it wasn't the best school. And I went, oh, mum, I got into Nabwood. And I put my little finger in my mouth like, oh, what's going to happen now? And she just did it, replicated it. And she was like, what is this? And then she just lost her shit over that. And I was like, the issue is that I'm not going to get a great education not the fact that I'm putting my finger in my mouth, but there you go. And it was just everything. And, you know, even by my granddad, it was like, oh, you're going to become one of them. And by that, he meant one of, uh, you know, the transgender, one of the transgender people from the transgender community, which isn't a bad thing, really. Oh, no. But, but that didn't, you know, it was just me exp- being a man still, but expressing myself the way I wanted to. And... Yeah, it was just crazy. But what about you? Have it's you experienced that? I was going to say, I'll answer that. Yeah. But it's because um, society sort of um, tells you, has been has told us over time, what makes a man. This is masculine, this is feminine. And, you know, society is really scared to blur the lines as well of what's masculine and feminine. Masculine means uh, it's for men. Being feminine is for females. I say, fuck all that shit. Mm. Forget about being masculine. Forget about being feminine. Forget about being male, female, whatever. Whatever you're doing is you're doing you. Do you know what I mean? I I am not masculine. I am not feminine. I am me, essentially. And if you want to put me in a little box to suit your head and help yourself, you go and do that privately. Do you know yeah, what I mean? But like, if you want to do that, fine. But not for me. But, but right. But then, then people say... But then what defines a man as being a man and what defines a woman as being a woman? Oh, that's a really difficult question, isn't it? Because, you know, if we talk sex, male and female, and then if we talk gender... Gender's completely different. They're very different things. Oh, yeah. But, you know, growing up, some of the people, some of our listeners will have taught, will have been taught, uh, you know, don't do this, this is too girly. Yeah. Don't do that. Girls don't do that. You know? Yeah. So, growing up, uh, that stuck with me in the Mm. sense that I was like, okay, well, what makes a man a man? Yeah. Does, does, you know, just because I have the desire to wear nail polish, does it mean that I won't be able to provide for the people that I love? Mm. No. It's actually not the case. And that's why, like, you know, drag queens are a great example. People see drag queens as a source of entertainment, as a source of comedic value. But there's many out there that wear heels, Mm. wigs, makeup, dress up as a female and provide for their kids Mm. and provide for themselves and provide for a family. There are people there who don't do it. Are there... 
less manly, quote-unquote, yeah. than the man who goes to the gym all the time and works out, ends up in prison and doesn't care for the kids that he's produced. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But my, my issue is, my thing with this is like, okay, <clears throat> so you're saying a man is a provider and, you know, a man is this, a man is that, but so is a woman. Yes. You know, they all are, so that's why... So does that make her a so, man? Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't, does it? it, it you... You are whatever you identify as. You know, I identify as a man. Mm-hmm. I identify as male, okay? But me identifying as male has got nothing to do with the masculine or feminine qualities that society have pushed onto us, mm. you know, at all. It's just, that's how I identify. But me, if, if I want to put a wig on and wear nail polish, it doesn't make me female. Mm. I am still male. But you, you know, see, that was really refreshing. Yeah. That's the one refreshing thing about you. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, but that's what I love about you because there have been times when I've ex- wanted to express myself a certain way. Yeah. And like when we went to Manchester Pride, I was wearing red nail, nail varnish yeah. because I was, I was just feeling my fantasy. <laughs> I was like, like getting the car. I was like, it. yes, I'm that rich businesswoman. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like just as a, as a joke, uh, nothing serious, just, you know, expressing me being flamboyant. And then for my birthday, I wore, that ball gown tuxedo dress. Um, You were very nervous about doing that. Yeah, it was a mixture of genders. And I was like, oh, maybe he'll see me as less of a Mm. male for doing it. So did you always, when we got together, were you like nervous thinking I would think a certain thing? Oh, bitch, I was... Because of your own preconceived notion and what you've experienced. Bitch, I was so butch when I first met you. (laughs) I was like, yo, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I was. I was like, maybe it'll be... I mean, because the thing is... You haven't got into a relationship with a female. Yeah. That I know. Yeah. So I just didn't want to be too camp or anything in order, uh, uh, for risk of turning you off. Yeah. And being like, well, that's not what I want. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But in hindsight, maybe that was just me not accepting me, myself, mm. or who I am. Do you know what that's I mean? Because it's all irrelevant. It's all bollocks, really. Do oh, yeah, it mean? is. And the thing is, I, I got into a relationship to be with you. Yeah. Nothing to do with these qualities or tendencies or anything. It's yeah. It, everything that you are makes you who you are. Yeah. You know? And if someone wants Sorry. to say to you, this is what I say, like, if someone wants to come to me and say, you know, and some people have in the past, and, you know, if I go back to my former self, you're super gay, you're super calm, yeah. you're super queer, and you know what? Yes, yeah. I am super gay, I'm super this, I'm super that, I'm brilliant, I'm super me. Yes. And I'm sickening. And all these qualities make me, me, and they make me a man. Me exploring my... um let's say, femininity, as, you know, um, society would put it, has made me feel like more of a man. Yes, than ever. exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's made me feel brave, it's made me feel strong. I, I really, especially, you know, with, with my mother being such a strong woman, I've seen women as really strong people. Yes. Like, really, really strong people. Yes. Are you having fun there? Yeah. And He's I'm just picking like, at I'm, my peeling from my tan at the I'm moment. Just admiring the t- tan. But yeah, I find women really, really strong. And they've got true strength. That's just my view and my opinion. So exploring that side of myself, my God, I found more strength in that than anything else. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I mean uh, oh gosh, what was that? What did you do on there? <laughs> I got a fucked up drag. <laughs> no, that was me. Um, but yeah, no, what I was going to say was, it, it doesn't... i tell you what, let me just do something quickly to the system. So, yeah, no, what I was saying was, um, I think uh, that's what it was. I had to think to myself as to what makes a man a man and 
you know, it's not mannerisms, it's not the way you carry yourself, mm. it's not even the clothes that you yeah. um, wear. That's not really what it's about, that's gender. That's what, that that's the social construct that yeah. we're talking about. They're two very separate things. And, you know, for me, you know, growing up, it was like, yeah, you know, a man's supposed to do this and how are you going to look after your family and mm. how are you going to do this? And I thought, do you know what? If a man, if being a man means um, hide, putting your feelings aside and expecting the woman to cook and not lifting a plate, I don't want to be a man. <laughs> In for me, Do darling. you know what I mean? I don't want to be that. That's not, that's not what it's about. That's not who I am. I no, don't want to do I, that I, at all. I agree with you. And like, especially being a teenager within the South Asian community, it's really hard when you're sitting in them rooms, it's Eid day, the yeah. men on one side, the women, and the way the men, the bravado they have, and like, where's your high masculinity? And it's like, how insecure are you? And I was so like, and then when I used to see like my um, like white friends, men, and they used to hug each other and yes. be affectionate with each other, and I used to be like, oh my god, is that wrong? Yeah, or is like, that wrong to do that? And yeah. it's like, no, actually, that's a good thing to do. Hug your friends. Yeah, kiss a, them. Okay, girl. <laughs> Maybe do more. Maybe do even more. Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. So when I was at uni, like, the rugby guys used to always, like, turn super gay when they were drunk. And they'd, like, kiss each other on the lips and stuff. Yeah, and I was rug- like, me next, me next. <laughs> rugby men are, well, rugby men get in dresses and heels, don't they? Yeah, they do. Well, yeah, but if you're comfortable in your own sexuality... Exactly. You know, you're and fine. You, you do... Oh, it's like, oh my God. Then you have those, like, South Asian guys sometimes. Or even in any other, any other um, Come culture. Come on, PC. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, like, and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I don't mind gears, but, like, so long as you don't hit on me. And I'm like, first Bitch. of all, you're minging. <laughs> Secondly, no. <laughs> Thirdly, I was talking to the person behind you. <laughs> Where the fuck have you come from? Yeah, doing it like, you know, it's okay. I accept you being gay. Just you know, don't bring it around here. Bring it. What's it? Don't bring your straight around here. Then it's like me saying that. But that's it's what not I mean. A thing. So it, it's, it's like no. It's uh, or don't bring your femininity. Don't be don't act like a female. Don't, it's like you're so you're, you're so insecure about me and my behaviour and me being really gay or super calm. You know what? Props to the people. I would rather surround myself with people that are not these masculine masks that are really super camp and really super queer because they're the ones doing something for the community. Absolutely. And and um, I think I think it was RuPaul who said it. It might have been Mother Teresa, I don't know. But <laughs> Ru, uh, RuPaul said that, you know, some uh, a man who can walk down the street in heels is my hero. Oh, yeah. And I got balls. Uh, yeah, and I think as the years have gone by, that's really been put into context mm. for me. And I'm like, I get it now. Yeah. I know exactly what he meant when he, uh, when he said that, which is which is really really interesting. Um, but then you know that's that's masculinity, and then you were talking about femininity as well. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to be a female? You know, um, girls aren't meant to be wearing X, Y, and Z, and they get called tomboyish, Ugh. and you know they they they're really butch girls like. Surely that could be equally damaging as well. Or like, say for example, you know, for a lot of people, they may have been raised to think that their primary uh, objective is to bear children. Oh, well in South Asian community, that's what happens. Exactly. Females are born and raised to get married, bear children, cook. Yeah. You know, my mum was learning to cook from when she was like six years old or something. Mm. But I I feel like I can't comment on it enough because I, I haven't, lived that experience no absolutely but, my, but, you, but you know that it's yeah, wrong though but right? I know it's wrong but my hero is my little sister 
Yeah. Oh, she's so she, she's my hero because she, growing up, she had two older brothers, so she was really influenced by what we liked as well. Yeah. And even what my mum liked. And she used to dress up in like Hulk costumes, Spider-Man, Captain America, Thor. She had them all. She used to dress up as the male superheroes. I had extended family. Saying, oh, she might be a lesbian. And I'm like, oh you're talking about a two, three-year-old kid. Mm. Or maybe she's just a kid. Mm. And you know what? I don't care if she is or not. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We shouldn't even be talking about uh, sexuality anyway in yeah. such a perverse way. Yeah. You know, she might be anything she's going to be, but for now, she's dressing up as Incredible Hulk. But even if she's she is lesbian, who cares? Yeah, no, but, but for now, she's just dressing up as a Hulk. Mm. How can you read sexuality straight by gay or whatever from a kid dressing up as Incredible Hulk? I used to play with toy trucks. Oh, How did I end up sucking no, but dick? Do you, do, you know, mean? do you know what well, I mean? Her, you know. Well, but um, truck stops. But hey. then she used to do that, and like she didn't. Then she got into dolls, and she was into that. She was, she's into everything. Mm. But I'll never forget when we walked into well, it was into Primark, and she always used to wear like Spiderman t-shirts and stuff. And she was in the girls section, and she, at her young age, three four years old, went up to one of the person people that worked there. And she asked them, you know, I've told you this before, haven't I? Mm. And she was like, so why don't they have Spiderman in the girls section? And I was like, you're my hero. Literally, in that moment, I was like, you are my hero at such a young age. Like, you are already questioning these things. And she was, and they were like, they were like oh, she don't have it. And she was like, okay then. And then she went and picked it out of the boys' section. And then she got Good it. For her. Because how, children are so innocent anyway. Yeah, children are innocent. That inter- that. Isn't that interesting? Children are innocent and um, society places things upon them, or parents do. But because my mum never placed anything upon her, look how she took it upon herself to be like, mm, I want a Spider-Man top. I don't see it as a girl thing or a boy thing. I see it as a me thing that I want. Do you mm, know what I mean? Mm. Oh, now, even now, when she's a little bit older, she's like, yeah, I'll wear this because I want to play out. Oh, I'll wear a dress because of this reason. Yeah, I'll wear I'm this going for climbing, running. I'm going to wear you know, boots. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's clothing's such a huge part of, you know, breaking down the whole, you know, gender binary and everything. And it's like, people can wear what they want, do what they want. It doesn't make you any less of a man, more of a female or anything. Yeah, and, and like, you know, for any of the young girls who are listening, you know, don't feel pressured oh, to no. bear children or, you know, dress a certain way or do your makeup a certain way. Do what makes you feel comfortable. That is the main thing. Um, you got to do what makes you happy. That's life. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The thing is, I was um, doing a bit of research. Oh. Okay, some research. Yeah. I was a researching queen, me. Come on, PhD. Um, so I was looking into like you know the gender binary and uh, through history you mentioned before about india and how it didn't really exi- it didn't exist mm. before britain colonized um india and took over body blah blah yeah. so i was looking into a case you know i like looking into um one particular case study mm. and um it's really interesting because i was looking into like how the world is sort of like trying to like sort of eradicate like um gender non-conforming people and they've been doing that for years and mm. gender non-conforming people always existed it's not a new thing with these young people think oh non-binary it's a new thing it's not new at all oh, nothing's new so like um it was in 1852 okay there was uh, little eunuchs 
Okay, in India. And India. Was, yeah, and there was this eunuch named um, Bora, I think you pronounce it, was actually murdered in India. Wow. And um, so she had left her lover for another man, which obviously is a wrong thing to do. It's not a murder. You don't murder someone for that. No. Okay? You we pro- don't know the reasons why she left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't know the reason. And also, even if it's... You just cry and get over it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so the um, she was murdered, and she was murdered by her former lover. And the British the British judge in India even said that, you know, it was a fit of rage that he did it. Mm. So it's okay. It's a fit, it's a fit of rage. And um, even though she was a victim, um, they were against her, against her rule. And then... Going from that, the judges told them, you know, all the units that they were cross-dressers, beggars, they were all unnatural. It was the British judges. Oh, Remember that. This is, you know, after um, they were trying to colonise, weren't they? Mm. India, obviously. And by 1871, um, units were considered a criminal tribe. Before that, they weren't. Oh, my God. They were considered a criminal tribe then. That's mad, isn't it? And then the police were actually given power um, against them to abuse them, to beat them. Um, they were known to be sexually deviant as well. Oh, yeah, girl, it goes oh on. God. And then from that, the British um, began policing um, different groups yeah. that didn't fit into um, their gender categories. Yeah. So that is when the gender categories were made. That's wow. mad, isn't it? So that is when they made all these categories. And so... Um, effeminate men who wore female clothing, um, men who performed female um, roles in theatres. That's going all the way back to the 16th century, Shakespeare. But you know, and this is these, really, these, really these people, wait, let me finish. These people were like called, you know, by the law, um, police were allowed to use loads of different range of things to abuse them, to arrest them, and it was wrong. But you know, this is really, really interesting that you say that because, um, especially around clothing, because. Um, I've always been fascinated as to why, um, you know, the Maharajas, Indian royalty, yeah. before the monarchy was abolished, mm. as to why their dresses were so uh, similar to feminine attire. Mm. They, they, you know, they would wear something called the Angrakha, yeah. uh, which is a Mughal, Mughal attire. And it's like a flowy skirt with like fitted at the top. And I think it looks beautiful. Yeah. But now if you type it in, the vast majority of them are for, fe- for females. I think they're trying to bring them back in in a small capacity. But like, you know, anarchy, um type uh, dresses, which were, which had a, fr- which was like a skirt. It was like a frock. Yeah. Or even like the toti or yeah. uh, the lungi, which mm. is, um, the you know, equivalent to a sarong yeah. or uh, a long skirt. Men even in India wear them to this day. And even, uh, you know, the Maharajas, they would wear necklaces. Yeah. Necklaces weren't considered feminine. And I am not talking just a little chain. I'm talking full piece, on fantasy girl. Yeah, yes. literally. And, they, and, and they'd wear them. Or, and they, it, it wasn't considered a feminine thing. So I think it's so interesting that you raised that. That it was something that was caused as a result of um, the, the British colonial era. It's I don't that, think people realise as to how much damage that did. People, it's crazy how much damage that era did. It is... Mad, and you know what? It's horrific. Just research a bit. Even myself, I've had to research and educate myself mm. on the binary because I'm like, oh, you, you know, know, we don't get taught it. Do you we? know, we don't get taught it. But like, it was like it shook me to my core. Like, oh my god, this is nothing new at all. And yeah. girl, the East were ahead of times. You mm-hmm. know, always had. We were not even ahead of times. They were living their own life as it should be. They were yeah. living openly, freely, doing what they want with even their own gender. You, even if you look in Hindu mythology, yeah. you know, there's there's sto- I'm sure there's mytholo- mythological stories around 
gender manifestations. Mm. There's gods that come as, as different genders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, du- you know, dual genders, yeah. homosexual relations, lesbian relationships. They've been around. They're not going to change. But, you know, it wasn't associated necessarily with, you know, somebody being of lesser mm. being because they present themselves as Until Britain way. came along. Yeah. And made that happen. And it's really sad that it's took to how many years ago before India had the gay marriage legalised? Um, 2014, was it? India does not have gay oh, marriage no, they had, What was it? Homosexuality. Homosexuality legalised. Yeah, that's it. A, y- a year pretty much to date. Oh, God, yeah, it has, not it? It was celebrated, yeah. wasn't it? And that's pretty sad. It's really, really sad, but hey-ho. So, yeah, that's... Um, well, not gay marriage, but that's... Uh, <laughs> We're gay marriage, bitch. <laughs> no, but like in, in India, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> Is it what it's all about? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I think um, now we should go ahead and introduce our special guest. We have a special guest. Yes. The next part of the podcast episode. Yeah, so this bit, guys, it's pre-recorded. It's something that we recorded earlier that we thought would, would be really relevant um, mm. to put in. And actually, given the fact that we're talking about um, homosexuality being legal uh, yeah. in India... Um, the special guest is really relevant and I think you guys will find it really interesting. Um, they've got a book coming out. Do you know, do you remember what, what's on, sorry to put you on the spot, but, um, oh my gosh, I'm really looking forward to their book coming out. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? You, they talk about it. Oh they yeah, about save it, save it. Yeah, they talk about the book coming out. Um, you look forward to coming out. I've read it. <laughs> Have you read the book? Yeah. Oh, you had the preview, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it is. Fucking brilliant. Is it? Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. There's like a lot of short stories. Yeah, short stories. Short stories. So good. Yeah, so, yeah, um, without further ado, 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 without a further... A poo? <laughs> fucking knows. Without further ado, <laughs> here is our special guest. I um, hope you guys enjoy it and see you on the other side. Bye. Kisses. Bye. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> Yeah, so this is our uh, special guest for this week, Amir. Uh, introductions, please. Who is this person? Okay, so it is Vikram. And how do you pronounce your full name so we get it right? <laughs> yeah, that's quite a mouthful. My yeah. full name is actually like a complete uh, balance of powers between my Indian origin mother and my Norwegian dad. So it's Ooh. Vikram, Espen, Odedra, Kolmanskog. <laughs> But oh, I, cool. yeah, because I, like, it's a Norwegian first name, uh, sorry, an Indian first name, a Norwegian first name, Indian surname, Norwegian surname. But I, ju- I normally, I think it's quite enough with, like, just Vikram and then Kolmanskog. Kolmanskog. Also, side, side note, Amir, I, I love the fact that we're trying to introduce our guest and you, you didn't introduce, you just... Oh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me, sorry, that's what sorry, I do. <laughs> yeah, so our uh, guest uh, for this week is Vikram Kolmanskog. Cox? Yes. Very yes. Good. Yes. Um, and um, welcome, Vikram. Welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast. You don't love me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we have a few questions for Vikram. Um. I actually, Vikram. Uh, uh, in terms of introductions, how about we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, like who you are, who you where are, you're from, your like, career today. Yeah. 
Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is actually one of the stories in the collection in the in this um, um, Lord of. <laughs> I I forgot the name of the book. It's called Lord of the Senses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the oh yeah. Yeah, one of the stories is called Growing Up Queer, and that's actually quite closely based on my own childhood. It's, um, it's about, you know, being queer in, I guess, many, many ways. It's like growing up in a very, me being a brown kid, growing up in a very, very white uh, part of Norway. Mm. Um, my mother being Indian origin, but, and sort of giving us a very cosmopolitan um, outlook on life and heritage, but also wanting us to really fit in because I think she always felt very ruthless. You know, she was, uh, she was born in Kenya while it was still mm. a British colony. Her parents, my grandparents were from India. She mm. studied in the UK. Then she just came to Norway actually as a sort of an adventure. She was going on a, to, to travel around the world a bit, but then she met my dad, a Norwegian, and she fell for him. Mm. Um, you know, so, so she's quite, um, quite a cosmopolitan person and she's, um, she's tried to give us that, but I think she also, really felt very ruthless that she doesn't belong anywhere you know and I think that's something that a lot of people with I guess a lot of people of color in the west and also just generally diaspora can can feel so she was um she wanted me and my little brother to really feel at home in Norway and accepted mm. but you know when I was growing up Norway was a society that was very white homogenous mm. and quite ignorant of other cultures so I don't know if you do you remember the the Indiana Jones film um what's it called Temple of Doom <laughs> Yes. Oh, Kalima. Yes. Oh, my yes. oh my God. Yeah. So that was one of the few references that you know the white kids at my school had. So they were like, "Ah uh, ha ha, you eat like monkey brain." I'm like, "No, my mother's family, they're vegetarian." You know. So yeah, it was Temple of Doom. Did they eat a monkey? Yeah, brain. it was like yeah, <laughs> the Indians eat like monkey brains and all kinds of stuff there. <laughs> oh gosh, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you remember? I just remember. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Bollywood, Vikram, but I just remember Temple of Doom. Um, Amrish Buri. Do you remember him? Or am I too yes, old for you guys? Okay, so he's a great actor, and he was in yeah. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <gasps> yes, he was. He was yeah. so so good. So okay, so mm. you're a you're um, uh, a migrant child. Then would that be right in saying? So your parents migrate. Your mum migrated from Kenya. Is that right? Yeah. So my mum did. Yeah, she did. Um, so she's mm. uh, and you know that I guess that quite influenced my childhood. That she was very. She really wanted us to feel at home, but then we weren't you know we weren't completely accepted I was a you know as a brown boy I was never fully accepted as Norwegian and I guess it's partly you know partly uh, and and she mm. Norway was so different at the time like my mother was for example told that she should only speak Norwegian with us otherwise we wouldn't learn the language you know oh wow so, yeah it was a very very uh different country um and I guess as partly as a reaction to racism and othering I started to distance myself uh, a little bit from Norway and even sometimes demonized like just white Norwegians mm. and I was increasingly drawn to the you know South Asian Indian part of our heritage so and that was something that I came more into contact with when we visited my mom's family in the UK in Leicester uh, oh, oh that's Leicester. a connection oh, <laughs> yeah you know, we love Leicester I don't know why but the food is just yeah, so great one of the best 
restaurants to eat in. Yeah, there's this restaurant called Feast India in. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know oh, Feast yeah, India yeah, in, know. In, in, <laughs> yeah. in in Leicester. It's on I think Belgrave Road. Feast India, That's guys. Right. If you're listening, please send us a dollar. We'll have it. <laughs> it's so good, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, so your yeah. so your mum has family in Leicester. Yeah. That's right. So, and I've, I guess ever since I was like, um, ever since I was, actually for as long as I can remember, I've had a very like sort of spiritual longing and loved stories. And whenever we, we visited my mom's family in Leicester, which we did quite regularly, I was really, you know, fascinated by the, the Hinduism that I saw there because my mom kept it really discreet in Norway. Um, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's really so sad, you yeah. know. Yeah, it was like, so it was really, she almost had to come out as a Hindu, you know, like me coming out. As a, wow. Yeah, the gods were kept well hidden in, in our house. <laughs> My gosh. I mean, in Leicester, I'm not sure if you've been to the, um, I couldn't, don't know the name of that temple. There's a huge temple. It's been? one of the biggest ones. Yeah, 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 I've been. Um, I'm going to find, actually, Vikram, you carry on. I'm going to try and find the name of this temple. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful and it's, it's in Leicester. But your mum wasn't allowed to express her well, portion she, of her I, identity, you're she, saying? She was, I think she was just very discreet about it. She was like, Norwegians won't understand us, you know? They'll just make fun of us and, uh, you know, ha-ha, gods with elephant heads and, and everything. And, and that was also what happened, partly, you know, because I was, um, yeah. But in Leicester, I would always ask, like, especially one of my Masis, my, my aunts, she was like my, she was my, my, like my go-to person when it came to anything spiritual. And I would always ask her, like, questions, you know, like, uh, why does Ganesh have an elephant's head? Or, you know, Krishna and Radha were lovers but not married. And, and yes. like, mm. how, can, how can all these stuff be? And she mm. was an excellent storyteller, you know? And yeah. I think life in all its complexity is, like, explored in mythology as well as in other stories and she really introduced me to that and um and i think i think that was like she was one of the first like big storytellers in my life and i've always loved stories always so I, been interested in spirituality and stories i think sure so so i suppose in essence you um uh, and your family being uh, forced to suppress their um hinduism as it were or, or you know that element has only propelled you to explore it further and and make it part as part of your identity identity and uh, and be proud of it would that would that be right it would i be right in saying that i think so yeah definitely and there was a period in my life where i was very you know i i i um yeah as i said i quite distanced myself from from norway and norwegians and 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 white people to be honest i was quite i think that's a natural quite the natural human dynamic when you're othered you also you know you generalize and you demonize back that's a way of like dealing with stuff and mm. and i think i did that for a while and india was this sort of an indian culture was this like you know amazing thing and of course it isn't Mm. Uh, but that was like that was part of my process, I guess, of of growing up. Um, and then yeah. later, yeah, I've I've had I've, I've matured, I guess, to have a more nuanced, you know, view of both Norway and India and Norwegian and Indian culture. But I also think Norway has matured. Like Oslo, ha there's so much more diversity and understanding, you know. Mm. So that also, it's not just that I'm I have matured. I don't need to distance myself and demonize others so much. There's also uh, a much more inclusive Oslo that I live in, you know. So, so then, how how did you over or, or overcome, you know, the the hurdles that you faced? Do you, uh, you know, is it just a case of society becoming less and less ignorant and being more 
accepting of you um or, or or would you say your perception towards you know the white community in norway has has changed at all yeah i, th I think it is both i think it's both it's like both me uh some of my wounds you know have healed mm. somewhat um mm. so so i do think that i have matured and i can see things that's i think sometimes the benefit of growing older that things do become a bit more nuanced, right? And and um, and we, we have some more experience. I say we, I include yeah, you. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, we, we do. And unfortunately, it comes yeah. with white hairs as well. So I'm <laughs> about that. And for me, excess yeah. weight gain, but hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that is some, uh, that st your story is something that which both me and Amir can really resonate with. You know, me and Amir, we, we both came, uh, went to the same school um, and we experienced a lot of racism oh, uh, and we experienced a lot of hatred, didn't we, Amir? It was, you know, um, do you eat curry for breakfast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, why are you so... Stupid things. I used to get asked, why are you so brown? And then one of the funniest questions used to be, oh, um, but you're from Pakistan, so why can't you stand the heat? Isn't oh, it, yeah. Isn't it hot there all the time? And I was like, mm -hmm. no, the mm -hmm. second largest mountain in the world is in, in Pakistan. It's not hot mm -hmm. everywhere. And I'm not from Pakistan, like, I'm British born, but you know, you, yeah, you overcome yeah, yeah. that ignorance. Um, so, I mean, what's the um, next question? Well, I want to get to the text because you know I'm a book nerd. You are. Um, so, I want to get to Lord of the Senses, which yeah. is your um, new book, which is full of short stories. And yeah. am I right in saying it's published on September the 6th? That's right, it will be. The The paperback will be published then. The Kindle version will be available a little bit earlier, uh, 23rd actually. So that's that's later this week, I think. Oh, yeah. and it's, is this your debut? Uh, it's it's not, no. I've, I've, oh. uh, I have another book of sort of uh, tales from therapy, like um, therapy tales, because I'm also a psychotherapist. So, so there's oh, one cool. book that's called The Empty Chair, Tales from Gestalt Therapy. Uh, which is kind of like, you know, sort of cases of um, different people coming with different problems to therapy, but it's fictionalized. Um, oh, so cool. That's a really interesting concept. I think I might, um, I think you and I might become best friends because I, <laughs> I need all the help that I can get. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love, I love books and I love therapy, you know, and that, there is this genre of, of, uh, of stories um, that are kind of like therapy tales. And I think it's, it's great. It sounds fantastic, but tell us about uh, the Lord, uh, Lord of the Senses. What, what's that book about? What's the book about? So it's a collection of short stories, and I guess um, what's what, what 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 they have in common, more most of them, I would say, is that they they sort of they reflect, you know, somewhat of well, who I am. I am queer. Mm. I am dual heritage. Um, I am. Um, uh, I am spiritual, so it's like it reflects some of those issues, I guess. Mm. Uh, um, but it's quite it's quite a range of different stories, to be honest. And um, um, I guess uh, also most of them have some sort of link to India. Um, yeah. Oh wow! I, I can't I can't wait to. Quite, some of them are quite explicitly erotic. <laughs> oh my god, they oh, are. In that case, yeah. I can't wait. Oh to... no, uh, some of them are really erotic. I can't wait yeah. to read them because we we've had the the pleasure of seeing a preview of the book, haven't we? I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, I've been I've been on it reading it, and I'm absolutely loving it. I've got to say, oh. um, it, it's it's amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you a few things about some particular stories in there. Yeah. Um, is it Robin Leela? Yes. Um, that opens with a really crude description. Mm. 
of a penis. Oh. Yeah. It is. It's very erotic and it's very crude. What was, and Brian has mentioned in there as well. Oh. Oh, yeah. Brian has mentioned in there. It sounds and like my saying, kind of book. No, it's not your kind of book. <laughs> <laughs> you are married now. Um, <sighs> what, what was the purpose of, you know, adding the erotic elements into it? Because it sort of, what, what I liked about all the short stories, yeah. you, you really mix like um, the politics with the erotica and yeah. um, the Indian culture really well. So what, yeah. was, what was the purpose of that? So uh, Ravan Lila is, there's something called Ram Lila, which is like a, a big celebration of, you know, the, the god Ram and Ram's victory over, uh, very, uh, over Ravan. And Ravan is very often seen as a, as a demon or somebody evil. But there's also like a counter narrative in India among um, some people to say that Ravan wasn't actually evil. He's like our hero. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like turning some of these things upside down. And, you know, in India, there's always been like an oppressive tradition or tendency, uh, which is like casteist and heterosexist and all that. But there's also always been a very inclusive and emancipatory one that's kind of celebrates diversity and challenged like more oppressive practices. Um, and I think this story is kind of like trying to build on, you know, that tradition of saying, look, no, we can we can do this another way. Um, uh, we can, uh, we can like invert, uh, we can fuck up the caste system, right? Mm. So in Ravan Lila, what happens, and the sex is quite important because it's a, mm. it's a Brahmin, um, someone, uh, a boy, a man who belongs to the priestly caste, then like with his family at least, from mm. his family side. And, and the guy that he falls in love with is a Dalit, is, uh, you know, um, what um, people have previously called like untouchables. Yes. Um, but Lower they class, themselves in India, yeah. and, and I guess in South Asia more generally, they, or at least in India, they refer to themselves as Dalits, as oppressed people. So, and then, you know, you don't even touch, of course, someone who's untouchable. You don't even eat from the same, you know, plates or anything. So mm. you would never, ever <laughs> exchange bodily fluids, you know. Mm. Uh, and that is what happens in this uh, Ravan Leela, the play with Ravan or the play of Ravan that you know, they do, they, they fuck things up. And it's so, it's, it's like, for me, this is about love. It's about falling in love in a very, you know, kind of basic, um, erotic way. But also it's about love in a wider sense that we need to kind of, um, we, not, we need to uh, really radically challenge some of these norms and divisions that we have in our societies, you know, like societies that are built on divisions around caste or class or ethnicity or gender or whatever it is, uh, to me, love is a really radical thing. It really challenges all of those divisions. I um, love that. I yeah. love that. That's, that's, that's such a powerful uh, thing to say. And, and yeah. I, I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I suppose in terms of sex and sexuality, um, India has been, uh, you know, the S South Asia has been light years ahead of um, its colonial past, you know, sex and sexuality was something that was celebrated thousands of years ago uh, mm. until the Britishers came and, and, you know, brought in their colonial laws. So um, I, I love that short, you know, the, the concept behind that short story. It seems like it's a, the perfect blend of, or, you know, all things that were and perhaps still are amazing uh, about our our heritage. Mm. Sorry, I'm, what, what, yeah, I was going to say you do you do that quite um, 
a lot through your, your short stories, mm. um, the mix of like caste and religion within relationships. And there's um, uh, another one that I really liked, probably because our name's in it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in it. And it, it's another guy, one's Muslim, and they fall in love. But there was a line in it that really stuck out to me. I wanted to question you on, on this line, really putting you on the spot here. Yeah. And it said, you know, even if the law changes, mm. it doesn't mean people will. Yeah. And, you know, with, with India and obviously the changing of laws mm. and um, homosexuality laws, um, you know, I want to dig deep on what you what you think of that. You know, laws are changing, but mm. what, do you think the people will change? Do you think, I think, yeah, I think that, that's such an important thing to consider, I think. And it's even something to consider here, you know, in Europe, in the UK, yeah. in Norway, because there's still instances of really, like, harsh heterosexism and, and heterosexist violence, you know, my... I have friends who have been um, who have been beaten during Pride, you know. So it's not like, and that's Oslo. So, yep. so I mean, and the laws in Norway are very, very progressive when it comes to to this. But it's it's a bit naive. I'm I'm also trained um, as a lawyer, so I've worked a bit on human rights and especially looked at like the the queer movement in India from a from a socio legal point of view. And it's really it's yeah. really naive to think that as soon as you change a law, like there's a light, a light switch, you know, that oh yeah, you change the law and everything changes. Of course it doesn't. Of course yeah. it doesn't. Um, people. Yeah, things take time very often, but that's something that's been quite special in India. With the since the petition um, that challenged the the, the colonial era uh, law that um, criminalized um, especially homosexuality, mm. that petition was filed in in the early two thousands, and the movement like in India then made sure to really mobilize in the wider social arena as well. You know, to to influence society directly. So mm. there's been prides. There's been LGBTQ magazines have been established, activists have engaged with the media, which means, you know, and there's been films and books and, and some of the stories included in this book have been published uh, by Indian queer magazines um, previously in some version. So I've tried to participate in that as well. So there's really been a very sort of a social movement as well as a, as a, as a litigation going on. And I think that's been one of the, that's one of the factors I think that explains the success in India. That it's um, you know it's something that's been in the newspapers everywhere in regional languages as well as English. So people have had to kind of oh suddenly it's there on the dinner table. You know it's like people have had to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can no longer. It. Yeah, it's 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 no no longer something that you can that you can hide from. But I suppose, uh, unfortunately, we live in a divisive world oh, at the God, moment, yeah. and mm. even the Indian government is uh, being accused of being extremely divisive. Mm. Um, yes. and you know, perhaps that might polarize views. But having said that, you know, it, it just yeah. Yeah. I, I've had uh, an unhealthy obsession with India and the culture and, and the colors, and obviously my ethnic origin is Pakistan and mm. you know I don't see see much difference between the, the two nations if any but a lot and, of people do <laughs> but, yeah, well, I, I don't and you know it's just mm. unfortunate that mm. I've had that physical barrier and I haven't been able to explore it but it just mm. fills my heart with you know for lack of a better term pride knowing that you yeah. know homosexuality has been legalized there and mm. you know uh, hopefully this paves the way for marriage equality and uh, mm. and you know equality for all it, people it, who fall yeah. under the, the, the spectrum and you know what you're doing is is fantastic it, it is. will certainly support that and it makes yeah, you like, talk about yeah. it doesn't it by bringing the law in you have to talk about it yeah it brings it to the table there's no choice and you're re you're releasing um this text on the anniversary of the um, decriminalization of homosexuality in india aren't you 
Mm, that's right, on the 6th of September, which happens to also be my birthday, so it's like, uh -huh. <laughs> so we have extra, extra reason to celebrate. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of good things happened on that day, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, so it is a celebration, but it's also saying, you know, because as, as you said, um, a lot of the stories here deal with a very radical form of love, you know, to be queer for me means really questioning some norms as well. It's not just... Um, Oh, now homosexuality is decriminalized. So, so in the stories and in the actually in the verdict that came last year as well, that verdict is quite a radical uh, a verdict because it's not just about okay, so now homosexuality is okay. They talk about you know the right to love, and that is something that happens across castes and and all kinds of divisions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really that's a an important question for the future for like the um, the Indian movement, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. because there is the Hindu rights in power right now, and you know. Um, I mean, one one big question for LGBTQ Indians and South Asians now and for the future, you know, that that can contribute to defining our individual and collective identity is, you know, shall we shall we not just really focus narrowly on promoting our LGBT rights, even entering into an alliance with the Hindu right in power, or shall we show continue to show solidarity and allyship with others, you know, because mm. other like in India, of course. And, and we are like intersectionality is not just like a political thing. People are belong to many identities. So, you know, people can be Muslim and uh, and gay in India as well mm, and yes. or Dalit and gay. And there's, for example, an increasingly heated controversy around the beef thing in India going on. And that, you know, that impacts especially Muslims and Dalits. Yes, so, yes. So there's lots of I mean. I mean, there's a lot of things to, to, to still keep considering uh, as a queer movement in India, I think. And and one of the signs that I loved during one of the prides I've attended um, a couple of years back in India said, you know, I like my men beefy, alluding to this controversy around beef. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, so <laughs> that genius. So good. <laughs> and that's a way of saying, you know, being queer is not just about standing up for, you know, the Hindu gay uh, man who in every other way is just like, you know, not, um, not a problem. It's also about, you know, solidarity with, uh, yeah, Muslims, uh, Dalits, uh, women's movement, mm. to have a really intersectional and solidarity approach, I think is, to me, that's part of my queer identity, you know, it's, it's um, it goes deeper than the kind of the very, I guess, the, okay, now we have some rights for us and our little group, and then we're okay. No, I agree with you. Something we can see in the West, you know, we see mm -hmm. that in the West as well, there's like, oh, uh, now we're fine. Now we don't need to, you know, <laughs> do anything because it's it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's it's a continuous movement, I mm. suppose. I, I don't think you could ever sort of um, lose pace on it because, as as you say, it's not just about. Say, if we if we're talking about India, it's not just about the gay Hindu. It's about the mm. gay Muslim, and then it's yeah. about the caste system, yeah. women's rights, there's equality in all sorts of forms. So mm. absolutely. Gosh, Victor, you sound so wise. Honestly, I could listen to you all. I can listen to you all, all day, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us more. I mean, what, what questions do you have for Vikram? Um, I'm just coming, coming back to the book, obviously, for me. Mm. Um, I just want to know why, for you, why do you think it's important that people read this text? Mm. 
Well, one thing is, you know, I, I primarily, I guess the primary, primary audience is people like me, LGBTQ folks with some sort of link to South Asia, the mm -hmm. diaspora or being in South Asia. And I wrote several of the stories, as I said, as, as a kind of as part of the mobilization for LGBTQ rights in India. And, and some of them were published in Indian LGBTQ magazines. Mm. And there's been a real paucity, actually, of Indian LGBTQ literature. I don't know how much you've read, you know, or South Asian LGBTQ literature, but there's, yeah. there, there are some really good books, but it, it's still, you know, there needs to be more, I think. So yeah. I think I've, I've tried to contribute. Um, I love to read uh, uh, that, that literature because it really speaks to me in a very special way. And I've wanted to contribute to this growing body of literature, I guess. We, you know, we create a community. To me, we create a community, a sense of who we are through storytelling. Just like my uh, Masi in the UK used to tell me all these stories about, you know, like uh, from mythology and everything else. Like, I think for the diaspora as well, it's maybe a typical way of like feeling or it's a, it's a way of creating a home, I guess, you know, having all these stories that we tell. Yeah. Um, so to me, this is like... I guess a contribution to that growing body of um, South Asian LGBTQ literature. Um, but then it's also, I also hope that others who are not, um, who don't belong to that group will read and appreciate the stories because I think we all have, you know, the ability to empathize and expand ourselves through stories. And, you know, we are all human after all. Um, so I think um, even though like, you know, the, like the particularities of our, our longing and loving and all of that heartbreak will differ a little bit, we'll still all be human. Um, and I mean, I've read a lot of books by white and or straight people mm. with white and or straight narrators and characters, and I, I've, I've uh, appreciated that. So yeah. I think white straight uh, people can read this as well. It may just take a little bit of patience and effort, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think they can, uh, I think everything should be, you know, there's nothing that they can't understand here, I think, it, but it's not, I haven't been overly accommodating, I guess, to the, to like white straight audience. I, th I, I think I liked that when I was reading it because I, I connected with it well, as a really straight, quickly. As a straight white man, I'm offended. <laughs> I'm offended, guys. No, I'm only joking. Hey, one of the last questions I have on the book, Vikram, is uh, the the if uh, the front cover. I've, I've seen uh, the the front cover where you're, if I'm not wrong, you're unless I'm getting it mixed up, you're dressed as, well, inspired by the Lord Krishna. Is that right? That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I'm a sort of a queer Krishna there. You, honestly, you, it looks incredible. Oh, you look thanks. absolutely gorgeous in, in, <laughs> in that picture. How long did it take to do makeup? <laughs> oh my god. Um, I still actually have some blue paint on the ceiling in my bathroom because I oh that area with a finger. And I've, and I've left it on purpose. But there were like blue footprints when I came back in the house. And I, for a while, I was like, that's really nice. Like, uh, Krishna has been, you know, walking around in my <laughs> you know. But it, it took a while to, the whole body was like dark blue. And I walked through Oslo. And okay, it's become more diverse, but still, you know. <laughs> that was a bit of a thing to walk through Oslo with all that blue paint all over my body. And uh, yeah, we, yeah. The, the... <laughs> Also yeah. tolerant, we can tolerate white people, brown people, yeah. but blue is just pushing it, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't know if you see, but the the but but the the Krishna on the front cover, I, I'm a very very dark blue because Krishna yeah. actually means the dark one, and and I also really in some of these stories, I, I try to just like fuck a little bit with this whole thing about you know oh fair and lovely because that's such as I 
I guess that's also more generally a South Asian thing, or maybe even, you know, more broadly, this whiteism kind of thing that we should be really, really fair to be lovely. Yeah, so you're, you're referring to skin whitening, aren't yeah. you? And yeah, it's interesting because with the, the South Asian diaspora spend millions and billions of dollars on skin whitening because they attribute light skin to beauty. Mm. But, but subsequently in the Western world, they spend oh millions gosh. and billions yeah. on suntans and holidays they, because they, they attribute, yeah. you know, being brown to being beautiful. So it's, mm. cra it's crazy. But good for you for... Um, you know, that subtle sort of two fingers up to uh, yeah. whiteism. <laughs> That's yeah, and brilliant. It's, and, it's, and it's interesting because in Hindu mythology, a lot of the gods are very, very dark. So Krishna, you know, as I said, you know, even the name means the dark one. So it's not a, some kind of light blue. It's a really dark, he's dark, you know. Um, and in the opening story, which is Lord of the Senses, because Lord of the Senses, Rishikesh, is actually one of the, the names or the titles for Krishna. So, and in the opening story, the title story, you know, it's, it's very much uh, this uh, Mira, this poet saint, she really falls in love with Krishna and, and is attracted to like this rich darkness, you know, of Krishna. So it's, um, yeah. <laughs> How interesting. That sounds, that sounds amazing. I'd love to read on, on Hindu mythology, but look, we could talk all day on, on this, couldn't we, Amir? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we must... Um, make a close. Um, Vikram, thank you so, so much for uh, joining us. But before you go, any uh, any messages? What would you like to um, plug? What would, you, <laughs> what would you like to plug and what message would you want to give to all the other queer South Asians and people of colour that, that are, uh, uh, you know, out there? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and your time starts now, Miss America. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> words, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take your time. Well, no. But well, one thing for me has that's been important has been to kind of find the find in my own heritage something that supports my queer identity. You know, and I think there's so much. Um, we've, I've talked a little about Hinduism, but there's also in, in you know in Indian and South Asian Islam there is a very inclusive and loving tradition in Sufi Islam. Uh, where there's a, a lot of stuff that's been could easily be termed homoerotic, you know, um, and it's this kind of tradition and tendency, an inclusive and loving one, that I, I really want to contribute to, and uh, I guess that's that's something that I really am very passionate about. That you know, it's a radical form of loving. That's um, um, that's kind of my project, I guess. And that's your message. Well, brilliant, Vikram. Thank you so much for uh, your time and joining us. Um, take care. Love you lots. And Thank you so much cannot... for inviting me and having no, me. No, our pleasure. It's been and amazing listening to you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, honestly, it's it's been such a, an enriching experience, and I feel smarter just by listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yet, yeah, cannot wait for uh, the book to come out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Thank bye. you. Bye. 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 Oh, I mean, how great was that? Oh, that was good. He is smart. Oh my As gosh. Hell. Smart, smart individual. So articulate. So attractive. I was, I fuck off. Do you know what? I was sat there like, oh my God. He's just 
amazing to listen to. Honestly, guys, if you if you can, you should give Vikram a shout out on Instagram or yeah. follow him. His teeth are absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> oh God, they are, aren't they? When we recorded on podcast, we had a little introduction with him, and he's on such Skype. a good yeah. looking guy. I was like, <gasps> I need them teeth in my life. Literally, Vikram. Once you're done with them, we'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was so good, so inspiring. I could, I, I would love to have him on the podcast again. Definitely, it was just Definitely. so, so good. Um, but I think this is all that we've got time for. For our 10th episode. Happy 10 years. No, well, no. Happy 10 anniversaries. <laughs> What's the gift for 10 anniversaries things? Well, it's only a 10th episode, darling. 10th episode anniversary. Okay. Yeah, send us gifts, guys. Like, just, you know, DM us vouchers. Yeah, I think I the, the traditional gift is paper, and by paper I mean money. Oh my god, give us vouchers. Dala, make me hire. You know, send us stuff. I'll send you my bank details. DM us. <laughs> so on that note, you can follow us on Instagram at yeah. you don't love me underscore podcast. That is you don't love me underscore podcast. Podcast, podcast. Or you can follow us on Twitter. YDLM underscore podcast. Mm. YDLM underscore podcast. Tweet with us. Tweet, DM tweet. us. Insta us. Follow us on Facebook. Send us your news. Review. Give us a five star review. Written comment on Apple iTunes. Yeah, guys, if you'd like podcast. to leave us a five star review, get in, you know, you know the way to do it. Uh, if you don't, on all those, check on Instagram. Yeah, jump on all those social media-isms and spread the love and tell us uh, how much you're enjoying it. And, you know, if you want to if you want to become a sponsor, if any of you corporate bitches are listening, fucking holler, slide into our DMs. You know, maybe you want your point of view to come across, you know. Maybe you do believe that, you know, you are the superior race and you think that we should pass that message forward. <laughs> Get in touch. We'll do it for you. I'm joking, of course not. But, but yeah, messages, email us. We're, we're really good. We're responding. And it's really, really nice to talk to you all. Yeah, it's, it's so, so, so nice, nice connecting. Um, we love you lots. Bye. Bye.